on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this January 22nd, 2024. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Alongside me as he is every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's Uncle T-Bone with me in the studio. Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I had a great weekend. Uh, a lot of exciting basketball and in- NFL football over the weekend. We're starting to get a little news about some uh, players that came in and visited Auburn uh, out of high school for the 2025 class, so recruiting never stops. And then uh, I think that Auburn could be on the verge of uh, getting its staff finalized once and for all with a possible defensive coordinator higher which seems to be well I guess borderline imminent you know that's just reading between the tea leaves so a lot of fun this weekend great NFL football great college basketball and uh just going to keep on rolling uh into the rest of the year with the NFL especially until the Super Bowl yeah well uh, you had uh tons of great games this weekend like you mentioned for the NFL we'll talk about those today somebody is very happy with themselves about their picks over the weekend and it is not me <laughs> uh we've got a lot of college basketball yes. to talk about as yes, well can you feel it as uh, Auburn got another big win shocker got another big win over the weekend and have climbed into the top 10 of the AP poll it took this team a long time to get ranked Uncle T-Bone but they're mm-hmm. finally getting the respect they deserve being top 10 in the country so uh, lots to yep. discuss on that and in the world of college basketball today uh, plus news around college football so tons to get to on the Monday edition of on the line Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network will join us in hour number two lots to get to from the Auburn uh, athletic side of things women's basketball had a big day yesterday of course men's basketball and, and so much more so that's what's on the schedule for today until Jacob Hillman joins us at hour number two phone lines are open on this Monday afternoon give us a call what's on your mind what do you want to talk about that happened from over the weekend 334-321-1390 that number one more time is 334-321-1390 where would you like to start Uncle T-Bone I mean we can we can really start anywhere we got a rundown but we can start just about anywhere you want to uh, from just a crazy crazy weekend in athletics well before we get into me gloating for going four and four of my NFL picks <laughs> this weekend I believe we probably should start with uh, one of the hottest college basketball teams on earth right now your Auburn Tigers absolutely just demolishing Ole Miss Saturday uh sat late Saturday evening into Saturday night in Neville Arena Tigers 82 Rebels 59 and some comeuppance for those uh, Johnny Rebs who uh, everyone was so hot and heavy over uh, heading into conference play and and they were undefeated for quite some time and now coming back to reality and the reality is that you know if Auburn's not the best team in the SEC right now it's probably either the second or third best and you could just all throw those teams in a hat and pick one out on any given uh Saturday or Wednesday or Tuesday when they play so that watched that entire game was out of town but got to see the game and uh 
I mean, it was just never even in question. Mm-mm. Auburn's intensity in that game was pregame. The crowd's intensity was pregame. And uh, there was no letdown in the second half here with these Auburn Tigers where they have done that in the past a little bit in a few games. And you've seen Bruce Pearl get very upset in postgame about it. Uh, they just they just put the uh, put the the pedal to the gas and 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 just let it rip and Ole Miss had no chance mm-hmm. none Jacob so that was probably the most impressive to me total game I've seen Auburn play yet this season uh, plenty of players got in for the action Auburn's physicality is something that I was preaching earlier in the in 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 the season that I wanted to see more of it well guess what it's here. They go into the middle of the uh, of the lane. They they rebound well. They kick out well. The defense is just outstanding, and it sets up a really big game for both Auburn and Alabama this Wednesday inside Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa, six thirty on Wednesday night. Yeah, the biggest thing for me in in Auburn's eighty two to fifty nine win over Ole Miss was something that you talked about is in something we've talked about and really Bruce Pearl has talked about is the second half letdown after getting a big lead in the first half. And look, credit is has to be given to this Auburn team for going out and getting big leads early, right? How many times have we seen Auburn teams in the past be second half teams or how many other teams do you see in college basketball? Ah, well, it's fine. They're down by eight or nine, but they're a second half team, right? Not this Auburn team. This is a 40-minute basketball team. And the fact that they went out and they were up by 19 points at halftime, 46-27. to 27. I don't know what's more impressive. I'm going to give you my answer, though. Is it Auburn's 46 points or the defense only allowing 27? That's my answer right there, yeah, is too. the fact that Auburn only gave up 27 points, and the letdown did not come in that second half, which has typically been more on the defensive end, where we've seen... 20 to 25 point leads get dwindled down to 10 or 15 and Bruce Pearl gets fed up in postgame press conferences and understandably so but on Saturday against Ole Miss you gave up just five more points in the second half and you know what that's a win to me because Ole Miss had to come out with some fire and some urgency to try to get back in this game and Auburn didn't let them do it they scored 10 less points on offense did the Tigers but only gave up five more points defensively and you still won the second half by four that is what is a good sign to me for this Auburn basketball team. You get the massive win, you shut down Ole Miss, you shut down Allen Flanagan, and you get another nice win inside the jungle. Yeah, Tigers go 32 of 55 from the field, shoot 58%, 8 of 18 from the three-point land. That's 44%, 10 of 11 for free throws. That's I mean, you know, free throws, free throws, free throws for a few years now, and the Tigers are shooting the free throw ball very well this season. They hold Ole Miss to shooting 37%, 21 of 57, 4 of 17 for the Rebels from three-point land. That's huge. 23.5%, really 24%. A bevy of players got on the floor for Auburn in this basketball game. I mean, and and they were playing for a significant amount of time, especially mm-hmm. in that second half, which makes that defense defensive performance even that more uh, uh, impressive. With Ole Miss keeping its starters in, look, I saw something earlier where Dylan Cardwell was interviewed, and he said that they had seen in pregame film that basically four players for Ole Miss scored seventy seven percent of their points on average in each game, and they were like. 
those are the four we're going to shut down. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to make, they're going to have to have somebody else uh, step up and beat us. And uh, Ole Miss just isn't deep enough a team right now to handle that type of intensity against a very, very, very deep Auburn team that, in my count, played. Oh, let's see here. Uh, the the entire bench, the entire <laughs> yeah. team. What's that? Well, Seventeen players. Well, you had the garbage time, and you had the big defensive stand at the end with the walk-ons. That that was the loudest Neville Arena had gone all night long. Where they got what two or three blocks in a row that to end awesome. the game and didn't let Ole Miss score. It was the it was the it was the bench riders, if you will, that got in. The guys that are there day in day out and working their tail off, and you love to see get in the basketball game. And uh, yeah, those guys got some much much earned playing. Time time and got a nice yeah. celebration at the end looks like 15 players got on the court in this sec matchup for auburn i mean that's just almost unheard of and uh in minutes time though listen to this jacob jalen williams led the tigers in amount of time played in this ball game i'll give you your best guess at how many minutes that was without looking it up without looking it up I mean, I'm going to say he normally goes between 20 and 25, so I'll say 23. Great guess. 22 minutes leads the Tigers in okay. this game. He had one rebound, one assist, and 13 points. Um, kind of a little bit more of a quiet game for him the, in the instead of the past three or four, but he continues just to ball out. He and Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell and now Chaney Johnson really starting to get in the mix. Uh, you can go ahead and add Chad Baker-Mazar in there. Just so physical. Just so physical, and they're rotating in, them in and out. And I know Chris Moore doesn't do a lot offensively, but he plays so, with such uh, defensive tenacity. Just adds so many different elements and layers to this team, which if they continue to play like they are, and it's going to be hard to maintain this type of dominance, which they've had after that loss against Appalachian State, they're going to be easily a two-seed and pushing for a one. But that's a long way from here until now. I really do believe I've been looking this over, not just for Auburn, but for several teams in the SEC. The next seven games, after these next seven games, after these next three weeks, when you start getting into deep February, I really truly believe that's when you got to start taking a hard look at these brackets. There's a lot of people out there from Tom Lenardi to Jerry Palm that have brackets out right right now and unless you're like a one or two seed I don't think it really means a whole heck of a lot but in about three weeks you want to see where these Tigers are and if they're clearly a number two seed that's the type team that can jump up to a one seed and that's where you absolutely want to be in the NCAA tournament. A couple of things that I noticed from uh, this Auburn at Ole Miss game and we'd love to get your thoughts on this on the phone lines as well. Ole Miss had one player in double digits. One. It was Alan Flanagan with 10 and he had to earn those 10 points buddy he shot three of 10 from the floor 0 for 1 from deep 4 of 4 from the free throw line so give him credit there at four rebounds one assist two steals three turnovers in his return to the plains everybody else was in single digits and I really do think that shows just how good this Auburn defense is it's something that I've been highlighting since the beginning I've said it has separated this team and it continues to be the case 82 points is good. It's not great for Auburn. They're, they have the ability to score more than that. But when you hold a team to under 60 points, doesn't really matter because this offense is good enough to, to scrounge right. up 60 points somehow. And on that side of things, you mentioned uh, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom both had 13 for Auburn to lead the, all scores in this basketball game. 
Then you had uh, another starter, Aiden Holloway, with nine. But look at Dylan Cardwell. Look at Dylan Cardwell, your backup center, what he did in this basketball game. And we've continued to highlight him. Off the bench in 18 minutes, okay? Jani Broom played 21. Your backup center's playing 18. That's a pretty dang good balance, okay? Cardwell with 5 of 6 from the floor, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, continues to be a weapon there. Mm -hmm. Had just 3 rebounds. I'd like to see that be a little bit more. 3 assists, 1 steal, did have 4 turnovers, whatever, but had 12 points. He almost matched Janai Broom when it comes to stats as your backup center. You have two starting caliber centers right now at Auburn playing basically the same amount of minutes. And what that tells me is the thing we've talked about consistently is there's no drop-off there. Now, is Janai better than Dylan? Sure. But that gap is not as big as it used to be, Uncle T-Bone. And I think that's a really, really important factor here. The other thing that I noticed, and it's something you brought up, and this has been an ongoing conversation, is Chris Moore being in the starting lineup, okay? People have talked about this, and people are getting upset about it, but let me tell you how many non-starters are playing more minutes than Chris Moore. This is just from on Saturday, all right? Dylan Cardwell, Chaney Johnson, Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, and Chad Baker-Mazzara had one less minute than Mm -hmm. him. So... You're looking at almost five players that played equal or more minutes than Chris Moore did. Him being in the starting lineup is fine because he doesn't play and take up a whole lot of minutes here, and other guys are making up for that. And the reason he's there, and I've said this before, is he gives you that senior leadership, he gives you the experience, and especially in a game like this coming Wednesday on the road in Tuscaloosa, a hostile environment, I want Chris Moore in there to start the game rather than Chad Baker or Chaney Johnson because they just haven't dealt with that much yet, and that's why Chris Moore's in this starting lineup. Yeah, very important game in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday, 6.30, Coleman Coliseum, Tigers travel to take on our good friends, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Before we get into that game, though, I'd like to say a few more things about uh, Dylan Cardwell to begin with. I mean, he – there are some things that Janai Broom does better, right? Okay, Janai Broom's going to shoot the three ball better, right? Mm-hmm. He's probably more of a, a more eloquent type of big man inside with his techniques on getting to the hoop, especially in one-on-one situations against another big man. Of course. But Dylan Cardwell runs the floor as good as any big man I've ever seen at Auburn. I mean, you got to go back to like a Matt Geiger. I'll give you that. Yeah, and from, absolutely. And, 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 I mean, he just runs the floor and runs these bigs that are on him to death. Mm-hmm. And they don't – those other bigs on other teams don't have the luxury of a Dylan Cardwell and coming in and spelling them like Janai Broom does. And it's just this one-two punch of physicality the entire night inside the lane. And, yeah, I'd, sure, I'd love to see him pulling down ten rebounds and – Auburn's entire team rebounds well. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about it. He and the big men of Auburn, they don't have to be the dominant rebounders on the entire team like you see more traditionally that big men do. Like where Hakeem Olajuwon, he's always pulling down (laughs) rebounds. But the Houston Rockets, or or when he was in college, were completely relying on him dominating the boards. The entire Auburn team does a couple of things very well as a unit. They all run the floor well. They all play great defense, and they're always all crashing the boards, including players that are guards and, you know, what you might say smaller players like Trey Donaldson and Katie Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, you're, just, you're just going in waves now. It's this attrition level, and you look at the amount of minutes 
that Alan Flanagan and Matthew Morrell had to play for combined 59 minutes between the two of them. And meanwhile, Auburn's bigs are com- are combining for, uh, let's see here, 21 and, and – or their big two play for, – for, for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, a, that's an 18-minute advantage of rest that Auburn's bigs are having. Probably, if you go back and look – there's at least 15 minutes on average per game in SEC play with that stat. It's a huge advantage for this Auburn team, and it's not just the center position. It's all five, and that's what has made Auburn so good already. They're finally getting the respect they deserve. They're top 10, number 8 in today's latest AP poll, and they have a trip to Tuscaloosa and a date with Nate Oates and the Alabama Crimson Tide coming up on Wednesday. We'll come back, taking our first break here in hour number one. We'll take a look around the SEC college basketball. What else happened in the sport over the weekend? A little NFL results as well. We'll get into some Auburn football stuff later on today as well give us a call 334-321-1390 the monday edition of on the line continues after this you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app Back inside the studio here on the Monday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Uncle T-Bone talking more college basketball and kind of looking around the country and what was a busy, busy Saturday in college basketball. I mean, man, you had buzzer beaters galore on Saturday. I was in uh, I was in Atlanta watching a ton of them at the time, and, and man, you had uh, number one UConn go down to the wire and beat Villanova by one. Uh, you had West Virginia take down number three Kansas there in Morgantown, something that's become a, a pretty consistent thing for West Virginia. Uh, the Mountaineers taking down the number three team in the country once again. Uh, you had the Alabama-Tennessee game. And, man, we're going to talk SEC games Call here, me. but you did. You you nailed it, man. And I think my exact words were Friday, Tennessee is going to roll Alabama. And that game wasn't even close from the beginning. I know. I was really excited to watch this game. My dad and I were were really I mean, we were making sure we were sitting down somewhere able to watch the Alabama Tennessee game because of the potential of what it could have been, right? Of how good it could have been. And man, Tennessee dominated for forty minutes of basketball, hung fifty on Alabama in the first half. When when Tennessee starts scoring 50 points and a half, you're in trouble because Tennessee yeah. is not an offensive juggernaut. I will say this, though. They've got some players now oh, yeah. that don't connect, man. He had a terrible shooting day. He still dropped over 20 points. Oh, that's crazy. In the last two games, he'd had over 30 in each game. Tied, uh, Vols takedown tied 91-71. Uh, Alabama and Tennessee both 4-1 in conference play. Tied – Tennessee at 14-4 and four maintains its top 10 AP ranking like it has just about all year. Alabama falls to 12-6, and six, and I got some thoughts, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more on Wednesday, but I believe that Alabama is going to be a very desperate team heading into this game Wednesday against Auburn because if you take a look at their schedule, they got the benefit of a front-end easy SEC schedule compared to just about everybody else where they played Vanderbilt in Missouri in those first uh, five weeks, opened up with Vandy, uh, probably the easiest opener in in league play now looking at Vandy's record. Auburn goes to Alabama. After that, they host LSU, go to Georgia, who 
gave Kentucky everything they wanted you in the better believe State that. on Saturday. That was a great game. They'll host Mississippi State. They'll go back to Auburn. They'll go back to LSU, and then they'll host Texas A&M where they get a little bit of a breather after that before going to Kentucky Ole Miss and hosting Tennessee again with mm. Florida sandwiched in between. These, Like I said, these next seven games, these next three – Three and a half weeks of college basketball are very important to teams that are all going to be fighting to try and get some tournament recognition. Obviously, if the tournament was today, I think Alabama would be in easily. But that seven-game stretch, they could. those are no gimmies. Those are all tough teams. Some of those teams are very desperate, like Texas A&M. LSU's very desperate. They'll get them twice. You know, you go three and four – in that run and say you don't get past Auburn and your best win is over maybe miss is over a A&M or LSU and then you're sitting at a 15 and 10 dude you're beginning to become in jeopardy of staring at the bubble and that is the last place you want to be in mid to late February yeah well really well said there Uncle T-Bone, we will talk more about that today, more on Wednesday, especially uh, when Auburn takes a trip to Tuscaloosa. Other big results around college basketball. Pittsburgh took down number seven, Duke, 80-76. to You mentioned Georgia going on the road, taking on Kentucky, who got their big-name star back. It's a guy who's been looking to get eligible for months now that Kentucky and John Calipari have been begging for. And look, I get it, man. With all of the eligibility uh, murkiness, if you will, if that's a word, I don't know. It but is. Um, with all the murkiness, then we're going to run with it. Um, that the NCAA and, and all of this eligibility stuff has become, I get the frustrations there. He became eligible, I'm pretty sure, like that morning. And he played that night against Georgia. But man, Georgia, they, you said it, they gave Kentucky everything they wanted in Rupp Arena. That's right. Georgia should be happy with themselves. No, because not because they gave up 105 points, but they dropped 96 on a Kentucky team that has some defensive liabilities. Georgia put 61 points on the board in the second half, man. That's unbelievable in a college basketball yeah, that's game. That's going to drive John Calipari nuts. I mean, I can't even imagine what their next practice after that game mm. looked like. I mean, it was probably just nothing but intense defensive drills. You know, you don't want to get this, uh, you know, kind of victory where you're you're just proud that we lost. Nobody likes that. But Georgia has a ton to be proud about in basketball this season. We'll talk to uh, Jordan Hill from Dogs 24-7 on Wednesday of that they're a team that can make some noise get to 20 wins maybe do a little damage in the tournament the sec conference tournament absolutely and they're going to get back into I, i'm telling you that's a good basketball team and auburn fans will see them a little bit later but going around the sec real quick yeah can you believe it opened up early in on saturday south carolina at arkansas oh, no. not only did south oh, no. carolina beat arkansas in beat Bud like Walton, i mean just beat them down what is going on up there in fayetteville with this team i mean is it just so transfer portal heavy that he hasn't been able to make it all work and gel or are they coming across it you know coming apart at the seams as a program under his uh so-called leadership i mean a lot of people around the sec taking some shots at eric musselman not only over the last couple of weeks but especially today my buddy uh, ty richardson at espn arkansas um i texted him on saturday and i said man what's happening what's going on over there and he said don't play defense and he said it's 
pretty pretty much embarrassing to watch right now uh, with Arkansas basketball as they are. What does that put them at now? That's ten and eight overall, one and four in conference play, one and four in SEC play and right now. Is as, as Arkansas league, just ahead of uh, Missouri, who hasn't beaten anybody in league play yet, mm. and may not with their lack of guard play if you're not named Vanderbilt. Uh, that's not going to be allowed and tolerated very very much longer in Arkansas. Speaking of the SEC, this is a team that's not here yet, but they will be next year. Did you see Texas and their buzzer beater against number 9 Baylor on Saturday? Baylor went down, hit a three to tie the game. And Texas came down, tough floater at the buzzer, got it to go off the window, 75-73 Longhorns. Yeah, just another example of how much tougher – all sports in the SEC will be moving forward once both Texas and Oklahoma are in the league, whether it's football, women's basketball, men's basketball, track and field, shoot, baseball, you name it. The SEC gets nothing but tougher. Texas needed that win bad, bad after a couple of uh, funny losses over the last week and a half. More college basketball talk later on in the show. We'll talk some Auburn football news with recruiting and coaching from over the weekend. Stay tuned. The Monday edition of On the Line coming back. With Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Uncle T-Bone with you on ESPN 1067. Phone lines are still open. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about from over the weekend? 334-321-1390. Basketball, football, college, it can be uh, Auburn recruiting, it can be Auburn coaching, it can be the NFL, it can be whatever you want to talk about here on the Monday edition of On the Line. And uh, you had mentioned something earlier, Uncle T-Bone, I want us to get into it a little bit. Nothing official as of now, um, but there seems to be a growing belief on the side of the Auburn football staff and Auburn fans and, and in the Auburn football world um, that there may be a, a leader in the clubhouse when it comes to uh, who could be the next defensive coordinator for Auburn football. And that name that seems to be emerging as of right now is DJ Durkin. Yeah, uh, former head coach at Maryland, former defensive coordinator at Florida, he was at Ole Miss. He's been at Texas A&M, a very well-thought-of defensive mind in college football. Got a little controversy and baggage with him. A, a player passed away, I believe, at a practice while he was uh, the head coach at Maryland after showing signs of a heat stroke and exhaustion while participating in a team workout. That player's name was Jordan McNair. He was only 19 years old. Durkin was immediately suspended at that point. Uh, the Board of Regents at the University of Maryland recommended that he stay after an investigation that took all of an 80-day uh, suspension. Former UGA athletic director and then current Maryland director, uh, athletic director Damon Evans was there at the time. He announced that decision to... Uh, to the team while Durkin was present. Apparently, a couple of the players did not like that. They got up and walked out. And the next day, the Board of Regents decided that they just wanted to go ahead and move on without Durkin. He was there for one year, and in his first year, uh, Maryland made a uh, made a bowl game. He's a heck of a good coach. 
Um, Especially on the defensive side of the football. In 2012, he was uh, one of the uh, assistant national assistant recruiters of the year. Apparently has a a very good reputation on the recruiting trail as defense at Texas A&M improved last year despite that team not having uh, very much success. Well, here are the numbers from that Texas A&M defense. All right, his first year, or I guess this would have been, um, that was 2022, right? His first year at A&M, they were ranked first nationally in fewest passing yards per game. They held opponents to less than 150 yards passing in six total games. They also ranked 17th nationally and fourth in the SEC in passing defensive efficiency. And um, then in 2023, A&M ranked 36th nationally in scoring defense with 22 points per game. So that's the type of guy that you're getting, and you hit on something as well. Not only is he a defensive mind, but I think that he is also a really, really good recruiter. And if you're Mm -hmm. able to pair that with some of the guys that are already on this defensive staff, you've got a good chance to go and get some of the biggest names on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, no question about that. I left out that in 2014 he took over, I believe, for Will Muschamp after he was let go at Florida, was the intern coach there. They won a bowl game in the Birmingham Bowl. He was at Maryland for two seasons, not one. He was heading into his third season. The first year they went 6-7 and seven with a loss to, in, in the quick lane bowl. I don't even know if that's a bowl anymore, Jacob. And then in 17 he was 4-8 and eight as a head coach. Uh, I do know that he worked for the Atlanta Falcons. He's worked at Florida. He's worked uh, after uh, the death of the player Jordan McNair. He worked for the Falcons as a consultant. He he worked uh, at Ole Miss. He worked for Texas A&M. He worked he, for Michigan. He had been interviewed by uh, Nick Saban at one point to be a possible defensive coordinator there. I know that there's going to be some people if this goes down, and it kind of makes sense now to me why I think that this may happen. There was a lot of talk that the Tigers were waiting on the Houston Texans season to get over and a possible Chris Kiffin, who's the linebackers coach for the Texans and the NFL coming here. He would not have, as our defensive coordinator, he would not would, uh, would not have announced that during the NFL season and would have finished his duties there. And then they would talk. But but now, you know, if it is Durkin, it would make sense that – and I'll tell you that, that our AD, John Cohen, here at Auburn, would be doing ev- all of his due diligence. That You know, when they hired Hugh Freeze, I understand that there was an extensive amount of – I don't want to say investigation, but background checks, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, uh, doing – talking to people, not just – that are affiliated with Coach Freeze, but just doing a really thorough search to make sure there wasn't just anything out there after some of Coach Freeze's past controversies. So I would imagine if Durkin is coming on to Auburn that that's happening right now, and that's why it's taking a little bit longer as well. Yeah, and, you know, to to speak on that just a hair, I don't think there would be, at this point in time, it doesn't seem like there's anything there that would – hold up Auburn as far as I know um, when it comes to whether DJ Durkin qualifies for the job with things on and off the field I mean I think that is kind of in the past I think and look as a coach and as a recruiter I mean he, he brings he brings a really good history he brings a really good track record um, when it comes to what defenses have done under him and I think Auburn would be in a good spot for with him I think he would bring a lot to an Auburn defense that's got some serious players on that side of the football. And the good news is, no matter who Auburn brings in as the defensive coordinator, you have 
Really good experience on that defense coming back in the linebacker room with Eugene Asante. You have guys like Keontae Scott coming back in the secondary. And then you also have some really fresh young guys that are going to be in there as well. So I I feel like it's a good mixture of young, potential talent that whoever the new defensive coordinator is can come in and mold and train and, and become what they want them to become. And then you also have some of those veteran older guys that have played college football have played here at Auburn for a couple of years that you don't have to teach and worry about all that much and can kind of help you with that transition to Auburn specifically and then you're bringing in guys in the transfer portal that have the experience but also haven't played at Auburn a whole lot that they'd pretty much be coming in together as a defensive coordinator so uh, I feel like there's a a good balance on this defense compared to what we've seen in the past And the biggest thing to me, Uncle T-Bone, is there's some depth on this defensive team at all positions, something that Auburn hasn't really had over the last few seasons. I look at linebacker, and I think they're still bringing guys in on the defensive line. Yeah, I think it's uh, a little early still to start breaking down the rosters, uh, especially on either side of the ball at Auburn or at any school. Obviously, with the transfer portal, uh, spring practice is approaching. There's a few teams whose players can enter the portal now still, like Alabama, because their head coach or coaches left. I don't really know quite the uh, intricacies of those rules, but, you know, Alabama, Washington, Arizona, uh, there's a couple other teams that from the domino effect of save and leaving that have a portal to have their players that for a few more days at least can go into the portal. I think it's 30 days after the coach leaves. Then there will be spring practice, and then the portal will open back up, and then we'll start heading into summer practice. So I expect for Auburn um, to probably lose some players after spring ball and bring some more in, and then there's the, still the possibility of bringing in some players of official signing day here coming up in a couple of weeks at the beginning of February. But I'm with you. I mean, I think that the uh, roster is is looking better. Just one quick thing that I noticed the other day taking a look at it is on the defensive side, Auburn could use some real help on edge slash jack slash defensive end, whatever you want to call it. 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Inspector, you're on the line here on the Monday edition. What's up, man? Well, hi, guys. Uh this guy Durkin, yeah, he's been on he's been on the scene for a while, right? Uh, nothing holding him back from being hired, right? That's uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But but you know, I'd be skeptical about hiring him after what you just said and what I know about him. But you know, I, I believe Auburn's really leaning toward Kiffin because of, if they wanted Durkin, they would have hired him already. I believe. I uh, mean, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point. Yeah. So. I, I'm leaning toward Kiffin, really. Do you do you uh, prefer? I, I, would you prefer it be Kiffin, or do you just think that's where Auburn's headed? Well, yeah, I I really wanted McGee in there. I, I wanted to give him a really good chance of being a defensive coordinator. You talking about Dale yeah. McGee? Yeah, I think he coaches on the offense offensive side of the ball at Georgia. Are you sure? Yeah, Dale, I, I know that he played uh, a defensive back at Auburn, but I want to say he's a running backs coach. It kind of has been his forte at Georgia. Oh, you know, you may be right. I'm, I'm, uh, I think he's already – the guy I'm thinking about has already been hired. Uh, you're somebody. talking about Traverius Robinson. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Tavares Robinson, the former Auburn defensive back who played under Tommy Tuberville, has bounced around kind of where Will Muschamp goes as his assistant co-DC, really, the last year spent in Alabama as a defensive backs coach for Nick Saban. Yeah, I'm really slow this morning because I'm still getting over my withdrawals about Friday evening. So. <laughs> yeah, we got something hey. for you on that spectrum, by the way. You, hey. you said there was a song that we, you know, that we needed to play. <laughs> <laughs> Figured you'd like that, Specter. That's right, Specter. <laughs> All you need is love. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, they they almost pulled it out, buddy. I'm telling you, if Ferdy hadn't had a a, a series of, in the last couple of minutes of the game. If he'd have played the, if he'd have played like he did the first fifty nine minutes, Packers would have won. Yep. I'm Let me tell you what, Specter, I'm with you. Green Bay should have won that game. Absolutely. They beat San Francisco up and down that field all day. Aaron Jones was fantastic. Jordan Love was fantastic. It's just that San Francisco woke up a little bit late. They hung in there, and when you're on the road and you're a dog, you can't let that home team hang in there. You got to put them away. One more score when they got up 21 to 14, I believe, would have put it away. Yeah, well, that monsoon didn't help. No, no, no that it didn't. That got weird. Yeah, I saw I saw a couple of spirals thrown by Love that were kind of wobbly. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make it to where they were supposed to go. Yeah, and that that last throw he made, I mean that that's that's borderline probably the worst throw I've seen him make all season long, and, and yeah. about the worst time you could throw it. Well, like they always say, it's always next year. Yep, better luck next year, right? All right, guys, talk to you later. Appreciate it, Specter. Three three four three two one thirteen nine. We figured he'd like that. Uh, all you need is love. They called him up last Friday. That's right. All you need is love. And, uh, boy, oh, boy, they just needed a little bit more Jordan love. And There's Green a reason I hadn't talked about it yet, Uncle Tebow. My heart still hurts. Man. I can see it in your face, man, when uh, I walked in today. It's just it's painful when your team goes down in the NFL. It's brutal, Ask man. Bills fans today. Well, that's the thing is, like, that's the thing is, is the Packers for 40, 45 minutes of that game, they beat San Francisco. They were the better team in San Francisco. They, they deserved to win in San Francisco. And then it just fell apart. They couldn't get that last score. They couldn't get those last first downs. And they they let San Francisco drive down and beat them. And here's the thing, too, is it's a tough situation, especially for a guy like me who is an Auburn guy. And when Auburn players go and play in the NFL, you normally are just cheering for them. And if they do well, you hype it up. If they don't do well, you're just like, oh, well, that kind of stinks. Yeah, But when the Auburn players are playing on your NFL team and they don't do well, it's a double whammy, right? It's like a double ouch. <laughs> and that's what happened with Anders Carlson Saturday night when he shanked oh, that final gosh. field goal. And here's the thing. if And somebody made this point, and it's true, right? If the Packers and fans of the Packers, like myself, if we want to blame Anders Carlson, we should also blame the offense because he made two other field goals that the Packers would not have even been in that situation if he hadn't made before, if those would have been touchdowns instead. So that is a, that's a more rational take. But at the same time, it always... Nobody thinks like that. They don't. And it, it comes down to you've got one job, right? You've got one job. And here's the thing, too. I have said this for six or seven years, however long it's been. 
when the comparisons started, right? And we're about to get to break. <laughs> when the comparisons started with Daniel and Anders, right? The Carlson brothers, Legatron and Legatron Jr., okay? The, the narrative coming out of high school into college and going into the pros was Daniel is more accurate, but Anders can kick it farther, right? Daniel, anywhere within 45 yards, he's Mr. Automatic. Like, he just doesn't miss, okay? Anders, on the other hand, he's going to miss some of those gimme ones, but you put him from 60 and he's got a shot to make it. Now, you can take and have a debate on which one you'd rather have, but that's just kind of how it's played out. That was the narrative coming out of high school. That's how it played out in college. And that is so far, Uncle T-Bone, how it's playing out in the NFL. And so that's what happened on Saturday. And like Specter said, the, the tsunami that was coming through didn't help. And my man Jordan Love, in his second career ever NFL playoff start on the final drive, He threw his worst pass of the year, and he threw an interception, and that was it. Didn't really give the Packers much chance after that. So all of that to be said, it hurts more because the Packers were winning. They deserved the win. They did everything except get the W at the final buzzer, right, at the three zeros on the clock. And I'm trying to look at it in a more positive way. That's the youngest team to ever make the NFL playoffs, the youngest team to ever win a postseason game in the NFL, and they had a chance to go and get back to the NFC Championship game and play the Lions. Are you kidding me? That would have been so much fun. Yep. But I'm trying to look at it in a more positive light. But, uh, yeah, I was a very upset uh, a cheesehead there on Sunday morning after the game Saturday Yeah, night. I mean, I hate to say it. They're, they're toaster strudel. Green Bay's season comes to a terrible end. Bright future, though. They are kicking themselves right now. That is a game that they should have won. And uh, but there is that 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 is a heck of a good NFL franchise, and they'll be back, Jacob. They will be back. We'll talk more about the championship games coming up later on in the week. We got to get to our final break here in hour number one. Phone lines continue to be open three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll take our final break. Come back and wrap up hour number one on the other side. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Couple of more minutes here in hour number one on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. And we do just have a few minutes. And this has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. Has nothing to do with Auburn. Has nothing to do with the NFL. Has nothing to do with anything that we've been talking about. But it's a notification that I got earlier today, and I just got another one uh, as we were coming back from break. And this is a basketball program in college basketball that has been down for a long time. They play in one of the best conferences in all of college basketball. But this team has just not been good in a long, long time. It's DePaul, okay? DePaul. The Blue Devils. That's right. They fired their head coach today. They fired Tony Stubblefield today. He was 28 and 54 during his two plus years, and the Blue Demons okay. are less competitive than ever so far this season, is what this article says. They're 3 and 15 overall this year and winless in Big East play. <laughs> and all but one of their conference losses has come by at least 14 points. So a team that's 28 and 54 in give or take two years and three and 15 so far this season. Here's my thing though. 
What does firing him right now do? What is that? What is firing him in late January going to do? Because all you're going to do is hire a a, a replacement interim coach. He's going to fill in. You're going to start your coaching search a little bit earlier, but you're not going to. I mean, are you really going to get that much better because you fired your head coach on January what twenty second, like today? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe there's some type of. Uh lessened buyout by doing it now as opposed to later if he finishes the season is there something I mean they've been so putrid for so long is there a provision in the contract that says if you're the DePaul Blue Demons head basketball coach if you actually finish the season without getting fired you get like a hundred thousand dollar bonus I mean you know, the only reason that I know anything about DePaul basketball is back when I was growing up, Jacob, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say that, most places in Auburn for quite some time in the early 80s didn't have cable television. And then when we finally got it, we got the station WGN out of Chicago. And DePaul, coached by Joey Meyer back then, was a really good basketball program. And I'd watch their games that came on uh, at night on the weekdays and, and uh, that came in uh, on Saturdays because they were playing against competition and, uh, that you normally didn't get to see. Well, how, how about that? And, and here's the thing, too, is – I, for anybody that's been listening to this program, I love the Big East. It is my favorite conference other than the SEC, maybe the Big Ten. Like, I love Big East basketball. Before conference expansion, Big East basketball was it. And ESPN blew it up. And if you've never seen that Requiem for the Big East, it's one of the 30 for 30s at it's ESPN. Great. Watch it. Yes. UConn, Seton Hall, Creighton, Marquette, Georgetown. Villanova, Georgetown, who's been terrible. Butler, right? I mean, yeah. just so many good teams. So, I don't know. Boston College. Yeah, they were. Now they're the ACC. I know. Conference expansion kills something else again. Shocker. There you go. There you go. Well, hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. More college basketball, more college football, plus Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. All that coming up in hour number two. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here at hour number two on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He's Uncle T-Bone with you in the studio here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one as we get underway here in hour number two, you can find the podcast later today posted wherever you get your podcast or you can find it on our station website at ESPNAU.com. Hour number one, talk some Auburn basketball, talk some more college basketball as well. We'll talk some more about that here in this hour number two as we react to everything uh, that happened over the weekend in that sport. Also, 
Got into a little bit of Auburn football news with the potential uh, new hire for defensive coordinator. Also, uh, got to talk about in this hour about the quarterback that was on campus this weekend. So we'll try to hit that here in the second hour as well. But again, you can find our number one uh, in podcast form. Again, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Here in hour number two, like I mentioned, more basketball talk, more football talk. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Uh, we'll recap everything happening in Auburn athletics from over the weekend coming up this week as well. But until then, phone lines are open. You can give us a call. What are your thoughts from anything that happened over the weekend? You can give us a call 334-321-1390. That's 334-321-1390. And again, just so many things happening from over the weekend and something we didn't hit on in the first hour I'm surprised it didn't get brought up Uncle T-Bone the uh the downfall of Tuscaloosa continues more and more players continue to leave Alabama and there's one school in the north that is taking advantage of it and spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to become the Tuscaloosa of Ohio and that city is Columbus and that school is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, they are uh, just got like a, you know, camp set down in Tuscaloosa County somewhere where they're just processing players out of the University of Alabama's football uh, program and and uh, putting them into theirs, you know, with the Caleb Downs uh, sweepstakes went up there. Uh, I mean, Ohio State's looking to be a factor next year. Uh, even more so than they normally are. Apparently, they're spending upwards of thirteen million dollars on their NIL. Uh, they, you know, I this one slipped past me that they had hired Texas A and M's AD mm-hmm. away from Texas A and M. I guess after he hired Mike Elko, and you know that's the former AD at Ole Miss who went to Texas A and M, and then A and M got notorious about spending money on the uh, NIL track. I mean, big. Big oh, yeah. money, buku oh, yeah. money, long long before anybody else was doing it. Got Alabama's head coach at the time, Nick Saban, so mad that he went public about it. And now he's taking that same uh, same strategy up to God, Columbus, Ohio. That seems Ohio, like forever ago, Kylie, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, look, the national championship game was, what, just two weeks ago? Wow. Is that right? Is, I mean, it feels like it was two years ago. Was that last Monday or was that the Monday? That was the was Monday before. Two Mondays before. Good Lord. So uh, the Ohio Ohio State's just, I mean, they're just pushing all their chips into the middle of the table and saying, uh, I guess that's what happens when your longtime rival that you've kind of had your thumb under to an extent, at least national championship-wise, goes out and wins a national championship. Not Absolutely. so fast, my friend. We'll show you who's in charge of this conference moving forward, and they're trying to make a claim to it. Well, I think that's exactly what's happening. I think it is Ohio State – in my lifetime, and most people know that I grew up up there for most of my time, they dominated that rivalry. It was not; it was getting to where it wasn't even considered a rivalry anymore because it was so dominated by the scarlet and gray, by Ohio State, by the nuts of the Buckeyes, right? They had just dominated that for so long. And then all of a sudden, right, Urban Meyer retires, Michigan's still looking for new coaches. They finally find Harbaugh. Ohio State hires Ryan Day. And Ohio State beat them for the first couple of times. And then something changed. Something flipped. Michigan finally got that win. They finally did it. And they have not given it back. They've beaten them three times in a row 
Uncle T-Bone, and that's not acceptable in that rivalry. That's not okay in the state of Ohio, in the city of Columbus, on the campus of the Ohio State University, which I still think is dumb. But it is. It's unacceptable to them. And here's the thing, too, is before Michigan had gone and won a national championship, before Michigan had beat them for a third time in a row in the big game, or in the game, whatever they call it, and before the season even started, there were already a ton of rumblings in in Columbus about Ryan Day and his future at Ohio State. Like, there were already people concerned and starting to murmur and talk about whether he had a future there in Columbus, and... Now that they got beat again by Michigan, and not only did they get beat, they watched them, like you said, go and win a national championship. I think it's borderline championship or bust for Ryan Day in Ohio State. I I think if they don't beat Michigan and they don't get to an expanded college football playoff, which I know they made it last year. I know they did. But if they don't make it this year, an expanded college football playoff, and make a push and win the national championship – especially with the millions and millions of dollars they're spending in NIL, I think Ryan Day will be fired. I think they will get rid of fire or of Ryan Day. They will can him if he does not win a national championship in 2024 at Ohio State. Yeah, it just kind of seems like that as much success as he's had, that they're just not real thrilled with him. It's almost like he's not one of their own, right? You know, I, I, it's just hard for me to put my finger on it, but – Ohio State fans just seem to constantly be in angst about Ryan Day and almost looking for a reason to can him. So uh, the, the athletic director that I was talking about, Ross Bjork, who came over from Texas A&M, now he did not craft the Jimbo Fisher uh, contract at Texas A&M. That was his predecessor, Scott Woodward who left A&M to go, you know, this was the merry-go-round that's the SEC, right? That, I oh, guess, yeah. And, and people really follow these AD hires now almost as badly as they fire, follow these head coaches. Well, hires. they've become so important now. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Um, well, I mean, it, I, I, I would, I'll say this. It's more important to get a decent one than to get a bad one. Yeah, well, that's it. You just don't want to hire a bad one. You don't have to hire the GOAT, but right. you just don't want to hire somebody like Auburn did when they hired uh, their previous athletic Alan director. Alan Green. Yeah, that guy. And and who hired Brian Harson out of a hot tub. But anyway, uh, Ross Bjork in <laughs> uh, A&M, he's still linked to this notorious buyout of Jimbo Fisher uh, that was probably one of the most one, most lopsided contracts in the history of any college football head coach where he got some outrageous – I'm talking about outrageous buyout. I can't even remember the number. But, you know, people thought that the, the, the contract that Auburn and Stephen Leith gave Gus Malzahn and that buyout was outrageous. This was like double that amount. Well, the Malzahn contract had been a record for years that Auburn was paying him, and yeah. then and then A and M was like, yeah, A&M we'll was do like, you hold one better. My beer. Yeah, we're well, just going to blow this one out of the water. Well, then Auburn added another one with Brian you know, Harson and some of these other hires that Bjork was famously uh, associated with while he was at Ole Miss when they had to let Hugh Freeze go. He hires Matt Luke. 
Loser, he hires Kermit Davis as head basketball coach. Eh. Loser, he goes to, to, you know, he didn't hire Buzz Williams Kermit. at Texas A&M either. He inherited him as well, who is an outstanding coach. But, you know, he's associated with this buyout. And, you know, some of the highlights from an article in what is now defunct uh, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, RIP to that. Huh? That, yeah, was, that was I mean, We missed that news. one, too. That's terrible. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you've got uh, you've got recruiting violations, uh, you, you know, at, at Texas A&M, accusations of that they were buying players. You know, he tried to allegedly hire Mark Stoops instead of Mike Elko, and the fan base went crazy like they did at Tennessee. When, like we call it the Shiano yeah, effect, right? Yeah. Remember when, when Tennessee fans didn't want Greg Shiano, who would have probably been a really good hire. And they, they, but they, they were shut like, that I down. I don't think so. Not only did it cost Greg Shiano a job, it cost the AD a job. And so, you know, you got to wonder You got to wonder if A&M was kind of pushing him out anyway after that whole uh, Mark Stoops debacle of almost hiring him or not. Which is so crazy for them. To, to just throw their arms up and say absolutely not to Mark Stoops, in my opinion. But you know, you don't ever know who the power player uh, is behind that once and for all. They wanted a splashier, players. sexier hire. But, but is Mike Elko really that more splashier than than Mark Stoops? The only advantage he had is that he was the defensive coordinator there at one time, right? So you know, I, I not really. So, but my. Personal favorite, Ross Bjork, though, was when he was the Ole Miss athletic director. And in 2014, Auburn wins a shootout against Ole Miss, basically knocking them out of the college football playoffs. And uh, Auburn should have moved forward, but gagged it up the next weekend against tech, a bad Texas A&M team at home. And, like, Bork just went crazy on social media about anything he could about Auburn at the time, making enemies. with. I, I just don't think – I don't understand why he's always gotten all this cred as being some type of top-notch athletic director. Um, man, look, you know – What's he really done anywhere he's been, and how many championships have they uh, rolled up while he's been at Ole Miss or at, or at, or at Texas A&M? And now he's just going into the fire pit of what you just said with Ohio State. They're just win or die right now, mm-hmm. and not just in football. I mean, they're they're very serious about a ton of their their athletics. I mean, they're one of the biggest athletic departments in all of college sports. Are are, are the Ohio State Buckeyes? So yeah, it's. It's an interesting story, and I think it comes down to this too. I think it comes down to what you, what do you deem as a as a successful athletic director? Is it fundraising money and bringing a bunch of you know donors into the building? I mean, that's what Auburn had with Jay Jacobs years ago, uh, but couldn't manage the athletic department, right? You also had, and do you have other guys that come in and they? Do you think a good athletic director is coming in and making a bunch of upgrades and and hiring the right people and paying people and making the correct upgrades and decisions that better the programs at that current university? I think that's what you're seeing with, with John Cohen right now at Auburn, who I think has done a fantastic job during his short tenure here as the Auburn athletic director. I mean, look at all the upgrades that are happening, right? I mean, you've got the approval for Auburn men's basketball to get their all-purpose facility. You've had a volleyball locker room redone. You've got all the upgrades going on at Plainsman Park right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly, at the baseball field. Long overdue. Like, six-year plan going in for Plainsman Park. I mean, all these different things that are happening, that's what I see and deem as a successful athletic director because I think those types of guys realize – and understand 
okay, if we do these things and we upgrade our program and their facilities and give them what they need to be successful, then they will be successful and they'll bring in the players to be successful and all of that ultimately leads you to the best chance to win national championships. And so in an Auburn perspective, yeah, I think John Cohen's doing a great job. I think he's got some of the best set of coaches we've ever had at Auburn. Uh, I mean, end of last year, I had a chance to talk to Andy Burcham about that, voice of the Auburn Tigers, just about all of the coaches that are here right now at Auburn. And if you give them what they need, there's a great chance championships are coming to this university outside of the ones that are already coming, right? So that's yeah. what I see. But I think that's up to other people's opinion on what you think is a successful yeah, AD. It'd be interesting to get Jacob's uh, opinion on that when he joins us here shortly. But, you know, I, it's almost like the chicken or the egg, right? With, with I think it used to be the number one job for an athletic director was to go out and hire the absolute most high-quality, best-fit coach for your university in whatever athletic sport that you could. And then if that coach works out and you're rolling the dice that you're going to have more that work out that don't, and they start winning, then the money's going to start coming in. Well, in today's world, it's almost flipped, right? There's, There's all these really good coaches out there in a lot of sports, but if you don't have the best facilities, or plan for upgraded facilities for your coaches to make life on them much easier to recruit, recruit, recruit in whatever sport they are, then you're not going to get the opportunity to get the most high-quality, best-fitting coach for your program. And I'm going to put it to you like this. I think one of the reasons why Nick Saban left Alabama, and this is a whole, this is a little bit different take on it, but I think it, it, it parlays into this conversation is <clears throat> it's almost like in a way, Alabama has tapped out financially. What more can they get financially from their donors? What more success Mm -hmm. can he bring them to make it even rain more than it did in Tuscaloosa during his tenure? You see what I'm saying? He's losing recruits now to teams in the past he didn't lose recruits to. It's not because he was, quote-unquote, aging out. It's just because there's only so many resources to go around at most universities, including Alabama, and they just couldn't get – you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. And it's like, I got to have more. I got to have more. And they're like, we ain't got any more. And he's like, well, I can't get the players I need, then I'm out. So why am I going to stick around and watch my legacy go from a one-loss coach historically here at Alabama with multiple championships, multiple national championships and conference championships to be an eight and four or nine and three possibilities, 10 and two, because I can't get the players like I used to get. And maybe that's I and mean, what more facilities would they right. need there, right? It's almost like you've maxed out. There is a ceiling in all of college athletics. It's hmm. an interesting point. Very well. I mean, could be. I'd love to get our listeners' thoughts on that. 334-321-1390. We're up against our first break here in hour number two. Give us a call on that. We'll talk a little more basketball, football news when we come back. Then Jacob Hillman will join us at the bottom of the hour. That's at 3.30, so be sure you stay tuned for that. We'll talk all things Auburn Athletics with him as well here in the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
Still rolling here in hour number two on the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Lots more to talk about before we get to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us coming up in about nine minutes or so. And uh, phone lines are open. You can come in and join us before then. 334-321-1390. We mentioned this back in hour number one, but it, it, it takes so many mentions. And we'll talk about it with Hillman as well. But Auburn basketball gets a huge win over the weekend. Dominating, beating down the Ole Miss Rebels inside of Neville Arena by a big score to a little score. And Auburn was never in doubt in this game. They had a 19-point lead at the half. They won the second half as well, something head coach Bruce Pearl has been waiting for his team to do. And they're undefeated still in the SEC. I mean, it it was just a bludgeoning. I mean, it's Auburn remains the only undefeated team in league play. Sitting right there on top of the 2024 SEC standings. You like to see it. Auburn number one in the league right now at 5-0 and in conference. Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama at 4-1. and Big, big matchup in Wednesday in Tuscaloosa, Jacob. I'm going to tell you, man, I know we'll get more into this, but we had talked about in the past uh, how bad Bud Walton Arena has been a house of horrors for Auburn. Coleman Coliseum has been very unkind to the Tigers as well. I mean, it's bad. And looking at this, as great as Bruce Pearl's been, I just want to give people a little uh, pause, right? I mean, it feels good, right? We're rolling. There's going to be some ups and downs still the remainder of this season. But if I, if my math is correct, Bruce Pearl is 3-6 and six in Coleman Coliseum. I mean, w- w- would you have guessed that in his tenure at Auburn as good as he's been? I've been present for all three of those wins. In, so in, you're going in, Wednesday is what you're saying. <laughs> I, I wish. Uh, it's a little bit of a hike on a Wednesday to drive from Auburn all the way to Tuscaloosa and back to Auburn. So uh, unfortunately, no. Um, but uh, yeah, um, look, Auburn, believe it or not, Auburn has won. I feel like I feel like they've won more in Tuscaloosa than they've lost. But then, yeah, you're right. When you look at the records and stuff, since Bruce Pearl got here, yeah, they've won in Tuscaloosa. They beat them in 18-19. They beat them in 21-22. And am I missing one in there somewhere? Um, 16-17. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's maybe the one. Maybe that's the one that I'm missing. Um, But I've been there every time they've Every time that I've gone, I've seen Auburn win in Tuscaloosa. That's the only place I've seen Auburn win in the SEC on the road. If I'm looking at this correctly, and this is it, AuburnTigers.com, historically Auburn's 9-53. and That's what it says. In their away record against Alabama. Now, not all of those games surely have not been in Tuscaloosa. I mean, there's been some SEC tournament games. Did they used to play like in Montgomery or, or Cahaba or – Florence or whatever back in the day like they used to play you know football games where Auburn's played in different stadiums against Alabama in the past back in the way way bygone days I mean nine and 53 on the road against the tide is that right god I, that's horrible <laughs> there, there were a lot of bad years in this basketball program well Cameron. that's what people forget and uh and it's true I mean you know pre-Bruce Pearl you got to go back to Cliff Ellis, and before that, Sonny Smith, 
you know, there's been some terrible years of Auburn basketball. Yeah, well, Auburn coming off a loss last time they played Alabama, 90-85 to on March 1st a year ago. That, if I recall, was a game Auburn was up big in. Alabama came storming back. They started playing hack-a-shack. Mm-hmm. The ref swallowed the uh, whistle on that end of the uh, court, but not on Auburn's end of the court, and Bruce Pearl got mighty upset live on postgame on the SEC network after that, basically slamming down the headset and yelling. Uh, and uh, I think that we all kind of – kind of you know was picking up what he was laying down that the zebras up there didn't do us any favors in fact may have cost us the game you know that's always a concern when you go on the road in any athletic venue now i oh, think sure. fans we blow it out of proportion the refs aren't always out to get us is you know where's k bag when you need him is don daly calling <laughs> this one you know but i mean you know you start getting in a little foul trouble on the road you come out cold the crowd gets going wild you know, anything can happen when you're on the road, and a lot of bad things have happened to Auburn up in Coleman Coliseum. With today being Monday, the newest AP poll dropped in college basketball. Run through some of that quickly. UConn, the number one team in the country. Purdue still at number two. North Carolina all the way back up to number three. Houston at four. Here's where it gets interesting. Tennessee out of the SEC at five after their domination of Alabama over the weekend. Kentucky at six now that they've got another player back who's eligible. They're just even more dangerous than they used to be. Kansas at seven after they lost. Auburn at eight. They have now gotten into the top ten. You have Arizona at 9, Illinois at 10, just to kind of highlight a couple here throughout. Oklahoma at 11, a team that'll be here next year. Our Dayton Flyers are 16, baby. They keep rolling, Uncle T-Bone. 15 and 2 are the Flyers of Dayton. And uh, that's actually it for the SEC. So only three teams from the conference are in the top 25, but all of them are inside the top 10. After Auburn travels to Tuscaloosa over the next three weeks, they'll travel to Mississippi State. That's a team that Auburn should be able to handle. Vanderbilt comes to town. Auburn travels back to Ole Miss. Should be 3-0 and after that. Then the Tide will come to Neville Arena, where they have not played very well against Auburn historically. Auburn then goes to Florida, then hosts South Carolina before they host uh, Kentucky on 217. Auburn very well, and I'm not going to say it's going to happen because it's a tall order, but in those next – seven games Auburn could be seven and zero in those games easily well they're the better team and it's they, not even close yeah I mean on paper maybe not on point spread I saw some early lines floating around according to the metrics that some people thought Alabama would be favored even a low one point favorite how over Auburn I saw that yesterday now I mean I guess being a guess home, but... I, I mean I'm just telling you man they're gonna now, have to beat the referees and the tide up there Wednesday night fact there's and we know this about that Alabama team historically under Nate Oates I mean the difference in that team away neutral site compared to what they do inside of the airplane hangar it's unbelievable I mean they they are I mean they're an NBA level three-point shooting team at home more times than not and so that's what Auburn has to deal with um big teams and results from over the weekend in college basketball especially in the SEC Uh, we ran through some of these earlier but man this conference it may not be you may not have a ton of teams ranked right now you're going to have some teams in the NCAA tournament but Alabama's still solid. Georgia's sneaky good. South Carolina hanging around after they go on the road and beat Arkansas. Mississippi State still kind of doing their thing. A&M and LSU are right there in the middle of all of it. And so is Florida if they could start to pile together some wins as well. So SEC may not be 
as good top to bottom as it's been in the past, but there's still some there's some some dogs down in there. No, I think that every team from Texas A&M up that leaves on the bottom, Arkansas, Missouri, and Vanderbilt could get it together over the next three to four weeks and find their way not just on the bubble but in the tournament. So that's a pretty deep league, man. It is, and it's and not especially be... when you play those teams on the road and if they're desperate, because any team right now that's desperate is dangerous. You better believe that. We'll talk some more about this with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, plus everything else going on around Auburn athletics. When we come back, you're on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Opelika sports leader. And as we get to the phone lines, who joins us every Monday at this time, it's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, happy Monday, man. We got a lot to get to today. Yeah, man, I'm excited to do it. It's been a busy last two weekends, so let's jump right into it. Yeah, we weren't. Uh, is that was that last week or last Monday? We weren't able to talk to you because of MLK Day. I can't that's keep correct. up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Well, we do have a lot to get to then. So um, I think it's important that we start with what happened yesterday inside of Neville Arena for Auburn women's basketball. You had a huge jersey retirement. You had Alabama in town. Tigers get the win. I mean, just a perfect Sunday afternoon inside of Neville Arena. It, it really was. And being able to watch that Dewan of Honor recognition and, and jersey retirement, was it was really a testament to the longevity this Auburn women's basketball program has had. Obviously, uh, when Coach Jay came in, it, it was in a tough spot, and she's grown it to this point where, you know, two Sundays in a row, you had 7,720 fans at that LSU game, and then you had 6,000-plus in, in attendance last night. So it really has been uh, a great couple of weeks for Auburn women's basketball, uh, taking down the defending national champions, defeating your rival, uh, for the first time in, I think, 10 tries, and obviously getting to celebrate one of the greatest in the program's history as well as WNBA history in Dewana Bonner. And, and you could tell that she was so grateful. She'll forever be grateful. She had probably the time of her life. She, was, she joined the jungle. She, she celebrated on the court post game and, and cut a promo with Coach Jay. It, it was an incredible uh, uh, game to be at, and uh, I, I'm just really proud of that that team and that program well overall they are 13 and 6 2 and 4 in conference play they have Georgia coming up uh, in their next game does Auburn women's basketball and and correct me if I'm wrong here I feel like if Auburn if this women's basketball team can string together some wins and it's not going to be easy they've got the number one team in the country coming to Neville Arena uh, coming up on uh, Thursday February 1st in South Carolina but if they could put some wins together down the stretch they could be flirting with an NCAA tournament bid yeah, obviously, the, the, the start to SEC play hasn't gone exactly the way uh, you thought it would uh, at the end of non-conference play. You obviously get two massive wins against Alabama and LSU, but some of these games that uh, have just gotten away from them, uh, Vanderbilt this past Thursday and then the Ole Miss game on the road. 
both of those games felt winnable. And, you know, it's just a few plays here and there. You could be 4-2, and two, but you're 2-4 and four instead. And this team seems to be coming along and figuring things out. Obviously, Jemiah Mingo-Young and, honestly, Scott Grayson, they're your – uh, they're, they're, they're the reliable ones. You know that you can count on them in these games to, to make big plays and make the presence felt. But I thought really impressive yesterday was Savannah Scott, the freshman center, uh, scoring 10 points and uh, just, just being a presence uh, inside. She, she forced Alabama's center to get into foul trouble and eventually foul out in the fourth quarter. So I, I really think that this team is starting to come along as far as uh, playing these more physical games against SEC opponents. In non-conference play, they were able to uh, wear teams down and, and be more and were more athletic than them. But obviously in the SEC play, it gets a little, it gets a little tougher. So that strategy, uh, it, it still works, but obviously um, at times it's not going to go your way. So I think this team is starting to uh, find its way of doing that, and, it's, and a lot of that is causing chaos. I think the way Auburn started and finished yesterday – was really incredible. I mean, the, the middle two quarters, Alabama really kind of dominated those areas. But mm-hmm. when you outscore uh, a team 50-20 to 20 in the first and fourth quarters, you're probably going to win. So I, I really think that this team is coming along. And uh, it, like you said, string together a few wins and you never know. Uh, but obviously that schedule is really tough. Jacob, uh, pivoting to now – AP number eight ranked Auburn's men's basketball 16 and two after the bludgeoning of Ole Miss 82-59 Saturday night in Neville Arena. I think that we all know the ceiling of this team at this point. Uh, can they maintain this winning pace ever since just uh, what happened in Appalachian State? And is there a what's the floor to this team? Right. Yeah. And I think those are two very difficult questions to answer at this point because I, I the floor, obviously, you know, I think we saw it with that loss at Appalachian State. Appalachian State's a quad one opponent that's, you know, obviously not an easy place to win, uh, especially when that I think that was their highest attended game ever. The, the hype was there, uh, and they were a solid team. Auburn also uh, didn't shoot the ball well in that game. So, you know, could you say that's four? I don't know. I think this. I think this team has really figured things out since then, and I think the floor's a little bit higher than that. Uh, and then, obviously, you mentioned the ceiling. Uh, we know what that is at this point. It, it, it has a chance. This team has a chance to make a deep, deep run in the NCAA tournament. And I, I really think that, as far as continuing the winning ways the way they are, you, you're not going to win every game one, and you're not going to win every game by double digits. And that's going to start this week. I bet. I, I, I can't imagine. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult to go into Coleman Coliseum and Humphrey Coliseum on Wednesday and Saturday and win both of those games by double-digit points. Now, listen, if, if the Tigers do do that, then we are looking at a special run that these guys are on. Obviously, it, it's still only January, but, I mean, that that is something that uh, even that 22 uh, team with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, they didn't dominate like this team is right now. And, like I said, the schedule is getting tougher. Five of the next six opponents are quad one opponents uh, for Auburn. And so this is going to be the real test for the Tigers. And, and then after that, uh, you'll have a couple of games that are against weaker competition, and then you got Kentucky. So I, I think that these next six games are kind of are pretty critical uh, for this team. 
Well, Auburn going on the road to uh, Alabama on Wednesday, but you start looking around the SEC and kind of doing some comparing and contrasting. And with the newest AP poll that came out today, uh, three teams from the SEC are ranked in the top 25, all of them inside the top 10. That includes Tennessee and Kentucky, two teams that Auburn is going to see coming up in SEC play. I mean, is Auburn the best team in the SEC right now, in your opinion, Jacob? Yeah, I think so right now. Right now, it's hard to argue against the only undefeated team in SEC play, a team that's won every single one of those games by double-digit points, and that goes back to uh, December when Auburn beat Indiana and Atlanta by 30 points. So I think right now Auburn is the best team in the SEC, and that's not to discredit Kentucky and Tennessee because I think if you tear off the SEC uh, right now, I think tier one is clearly those three teams, and, and, and it's pretty close. And we're going to find out uh, who, who, who's the top dog by the end of the season. As, uh, all three of these teams are going to play each other, but we got to wait a little bit. And, th- and that, that opinion could change by the time Auburn plays Kentucky on February 17th. But I, I think right now uh, the way the Tigers are playing is just uh, better than anybody else. And, again, that, that's saying a lot because Kentucky and Tennessee are both very impressive as well. Hey, Jacob, uh... Still waiting to get that defensive coordinator hired over there in the football program. A lot of things happening on the Plains. It doesn't seem to uh, be hurting in the transfer portal uh, or on the recruiting trail. A new name has popped up in reading the tea leaves. DJ Durkin, former defensive coordinator at both Ole Miss and Texas A&M. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, we'll, and we'll see if that comes to fruition. But, but fortunately, Auburn does have Charles Kelly in the building right now. Uh, and and he's, he's kind of going to be that co-defensive coordinator with whoever is hired uh, in, in that other spot. And I think what, what you look at as far as the portal and, and things like that with Kelly coming in is he is one of the top recruiters in the nation. And, and, and I'll move over to the offensive side because he was also introduced with Coach Kelly on Saturday night uh, at the basketball game is, is Derek Nixon and his arrival to Auburn and, and what he's going to bring to this team and, and this program. Uh, especially on the recruiting side, but I, I think also um, on the field as well because he's going to be coaching the running backs, and he's had a lot of experience coaching every area on, on the offensive side of the football. Obviously at Ole Miss for 16 years, and Coach Freeze has worked with them there. Uh, I, I just really think that both those coordinator hires have, have really uh, uh, helped the buy-in as far as uh, the, the current roster is concerned and uh, kind of kept it together. Uh, over these past couple of weeks, and obviously we'll we'll, we'll see who that last on-field position coach is, and um, uh, and we'll we'll see that in the coming weeks. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines as he does every Monday here on ESPN 106.7. Other news and, and results going on around Auburn athletics. we got gymnastics going on with winter sports, and man, we talk about this all the time, but uh, baseball and softball will be here before we know it. Yeah, man, it, it's going to be an exciting time once we get to uh, that middle part of February, especially uh, opening weekend. Obviously, opening weekend for softball is, I think, February 9th, and the following weekend, February 16th, is opening day for baseball. So get your tickets for opening day on the Plains at J.B. Moorefield and Plainsman Park at AUBTix.com. But you mentioned gymnastics as well. Had a really good showing against number 7 Florida. Unable to get the win, but a 197.025 is a good score. Uh, at this point in the season for the Tigers. And uh, the, 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 the floor routines for this team is going to be what carries uh, 
the Tigers throughout the year. Aria Brush, Gabby McLaughlin, Kathy Stevens, Sophia Gross, Olivia Hollingsworth. All of them are going to be uh, consistent uh, impact makers on four. It, it, I think what I would look at uh, for improvement from this team is the beam and bars and, and, and making some of those 9 eights into 9 nines. If that were to happen, this team has a much higher ceiling. But right now, they're, they're, they're doing a good job of scoring those 197s and uh, keeping those rankings up. But one other thing I want to do is shout out, really, the Auburn family, the Auburn jungle, and these last two weekends. I, I mentioned how busy it's been. It's been Friday, Saturday, Sunday inside Neville Arena, all, all three days, both weekends, and all three sports that we've kind of talked about, gymnastics, men's basketball, women's basketball, every single night it, it, has, been, it, it has been packed, it has been energetic, and it, it's been such a blast to be a part of and, and watch and just take in that energy. So uh, the Auburn family has shown out over the last two weekends, and, and you, you can see the lo- Coach Jay, Coach Pearl, Coach Gray, but they all feel the love, all the student-athletes, they feel the love, and uh, it, it's awesome to watch. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Got Tiger Talk coming up on Thursday as well. Will that be back at Baumhauer's? It will not be. We'll have a studio show this gotcha, week okay. with Bruce Pearl, Coach Jay, Leroy Burrell, but that'll be on Wings 94.3 FM. And uh, we'll be back at Baumhauer's next week uh, for that one. But next broadcast will be the men's basketball game at Alabama on Wednesday. 6.30 tip-off, 6 o'clock airtime, Andy Burchell. Andy Burcham, Randall Dickey, Brow Law. We'll have the call from Tuscaloosa. 5-0 and Tigers, 4-1 and Crimson Tide. Uh, it, it's going to be a blast up there. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we appreciate everything you guys do uh, and our relationship with you at the Auburn Sports Network, man, and our friendship as well. We appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. All right, thanks, guys. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network highlighting everything going on around the Auburn Athletics Department. So many things going on right now as we are in the heart of winter sports. Spring sports will be here before we know it, Uncle T-Bone. I, yeah. can, I can hear the bats already over at J.B. Moore Field and playing the Park. I mean, hard to believe that baseball season is almost here starting out Friday, February 16th. This game time is to be announced. Ooh, it's going to be chilly. Kentucky, or the, what are they, the Colonels coming to town? for a three-game set Friday, the uh, Feb 16th, the 17th, and the 18th. Then the Tigers will turn around on that Tuesday and host UAB, and it will be on after that. So get your tickets for Auburn baseball and women's softball. It's right here now. That's right, man. Hard to believe. That's right. Well, we'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. If you want to join us for the final segment, come on in, 334-321-1390. We'll wrap it all up when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Got a couple of minutes here in the studio before we get out of here. Hand it off to the drive uh, with those guys. They'll be are coming they're back? in. They're, they are back. Spectre. They'll be back, man. <laughs> Start dialing. As far as I know, I haven't seen them pull in the parking lot, so I guess it, it is a waiting game. But, uh, no, we'll have you covered here for the next couple of minutes on ESPN 106.7. They'll take over from 4 to 6 here on the Albert Opelika Sports Leader. Thanks to Jacob Hillman joining us every Monday and, uh, as he always does, giving us uh, all the updates from Albert Athletics with uh, and, and representing from the Albert Sports Network. Also in the show today, talked a lot of basketball, talked some football news with Auburn um, narrowing in, it seems like, on their defense 
defensive coordinator today. And so we'll see if that comes, uh, if that becomes true or not. See if that hire actually becomes a hire or not. So we'll talk about that throughout the week as well. So you can find today's show as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for On the Line or go to our station website at ESPNAU.com. Also, uh, it's a very busy week for me. It's a very busy week for our high school sports. Um, Lee Scott Academy, I have three broadcasts this week. Auburn High has two, uh, so I am on the road tonight at Southern Prep. Boys taking on Southern Prep Academy. Uh, I will be on the air at 5 o'clock over on Tiger Country 104.5. Tomorrow, boys are home against Valiant Cross, the other Warriors of Valiant Cross. That'll be also the boys as well. I'll be on the air, I think, around 5.15 tomorrow. And then Thursday, the season finale, girls and boys on the road at the Glenwood Gators. So that'll be a big game as well. And then postseason starts this weekend, dude. It's crazy uh, for Lee Scott basketball and then for um for Auburn High they are Oh, goodness, I'm trying to remember. I think they're home tomorrow against Smiths over on 96.3 W. Lee with our good friend Jumpa Jack Hutton. And then uh, Friday, they are at Opelika, I think. Or maybe I have those switched. I can't quite remember. Tons of high school sports, though, going on here at the Auburn Network. So I'm about to dip out of here as soon as we are done to head up to Southern Prep. But uh, as we wrap up the show today, um, we have yet to talk about all of the other NFL playoff games. We did talk about my Packers dropping the ball and, and losing a winnable game, which nothing makes me more the losing winnable games uncle t-bone you know that god it makes me so mad i hate it but the other games were fantastic too you had two games saturday two games on sunday packers played saturday night you had the game before that on saturday and then two games yesterday Uh, the bills chiefs was a classic yet again last night in in buffalo a classic between the chiefs and bills yeah, I mean, if you'll check out ESPNAU.com and go back to Friday's show and listen through it, which oh, you should always do, whatever. you'll uh, you'll just kind of pick up that Uncle T went four for four on his picks against the spread in these uh, in the divisional round of the playoffs. Called it before uh, before the pack took the gas Saturday night. Ravens minus nine and a half. They dominated. They dominated Houston. That's a good Houston CJ Stroud with a very, very bright future. They'll be uh, facing off in the AFC Championship game this weekend. That's Sunday at 2 o'clock against your Kansas City Chiefs, who I had at plus 2.5. They went outright. Wrong team favored. Bills choke again. There's a shocker with a wide right kick. Those are so great calls. What are they? uh, The Florida State. Of NFL with Those their were missed two field goals. Great it's, calls. It's unbelievable, man. But let me tell you what, I don't know why, but I just kind of like the Ravens in that game. And all you people out there getting mad at Taylor Swift. We got on grown TV, men being upset y'all about Taylor Swift. Finally get your satisfaction that, <laughs> that the Chiefs are going down against the Ravens, and she'll probably break up with Travis Kelsey afterwards because her man couldn't get her to the Super Bowl. Well, he's not even the best Kelsey of the – I mean, he did have a great game. He had a really good game, and he had been shut down, Travis had, for a long time. playing real well this year. And I think that was Drew his first touchdown him. since, like, week 11. He wasn't even the best Kelsey story yesterday. <laughs> his brother Jason out there chugging beers and hopping out the window of a suite shirtless <laughs> in Buffalo. What a guy. Yeah. What a man. Uh, what a man child. It looked like he was having a good time over in the NFC – uh, Lions minus six and a half. They take care of business. A weird ending to that game where Tampa Bay wasted, did not use a timeout. And had they done that on the last drive when uh, Detroit was trying to kill the clock, they could have forced the Lions into kicking a longer field goal, but a very makeable one at 47 yards. Had they missed that, 
They could have gone on down the field, down by eight, and tried to tie up that game. I still got to get some clarification on why they went for two when they got a little bit closer in that game. I did not understand that. They, See, I think you go for it. Well, we're going to have to talk about that on Wednesday when I get back. I need to. We need to talk through that. And then your Packers catching nine and a half. That line actually went to ten, and they controlled that game the whole time. So in the NFC, you'll have the Lions at the 49ers early line, 49ers laying down seven. I said it last week that I thought the winner of San Fran and Green Bay would be your NFC represent, representative in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to relook at that. The Lions are playing fantastic football right now. They're a threat. Yes, we'll talk some more about that as the week goes on. Uncle T-Bone, you'll be back on Wednesday, but coming up on the show tomorrow, not only do we have Double D, Daryl Dapper, to hour number two, good friend of the program, Christian Clemente from Auburn 247, our recruiting guru, will be in studio for nice. all of hour number one tomorrow. So that's a big day. You do that's not want to miss that. Here. Christian Clemente, hour one, Double D, Daryl Dapper, to hour number two. So be sure you join us for that. Listen to me, Tiger Country 104.5, Lee Scott Basketball tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.